Now, many of you know that we are building towards a series on the Sermon on the Mount. And the overall title of this series is The Greatest Sermon Ever Told. And in these introductory messages, we are looking at the background, what it means to be in the kingdom of God, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, and what it means to be totally transformed by the kingdom of God. And so my message title today is Radical Transformation. And in particular, we're going to focus in on the born-again experience, absolutely vital when we talk about the kingdom of God. And there's an Old Testament scripture that, as we shall see, is the background to Jesus' teaching when he spoke to one of the Pharisees who came to him at nighttime by the name of Nicodemus, inquiring into spiritual matters. Jesus draws on this understanding and promise of God given way, way back in Ezekiel's day and in other places. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 to 27. God's promise. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Then in John's Gospel, chapter 3, we'll read a few verses. Encourage you to make sure that you have the whole story in front of you as you open your Bible and uh, read it also later on today. I've given you the introduction, Nicodemus, a man of the Pharisees, a ruler of the Jews, came to Jesus by night. He wasn't wanting to be seen talking to Jesus. Now, maybe that's somebody here who's joined us online, thinking, well, at least I don't have to show my face or show up at a building, and if that's you, listen on. And Nicodemus had a question. He's quite open to new things because he addresses this peasant, really, peasant status, Galilean, son of a carpenter, certainly not uh, an aristocratic ruler or recognized as one, calls him rabbi, not one educated in the rabbinical seminaries of the day. Rabbi, teacher, we know that you are a teacher from God for no one can do the signs that you are doing unless God is with him. And it sounds like he started well. He's on a roll. But Jesus interrupts and says in verse 3, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man be born, uh, unless, 
one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. In the last message, we focused on Jesus' announcement way back in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, when Jesus begins his public ministry in Galilee and he begins it with this proclamation, the kingdom of heaven is here, it's arrived. He's proclaiming the kingdom. We spent time last time looking at what that means, the rule of God. God's kingdom being manifested here on earth. But that begs a very important question. And that is, if the kingdom is here, where is it? Show me. You say the kingdom has come, everything looks very much the same to me. And we could say that too, more than 2,000 years after that event, look back on history, look at our world today and say, well, where is the kingdom? What has really changed? Now we're going to answer that question today because this kingdom is an invisible kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom and you can only perceive it spiritually. You can't perceive it naturally. Jesus says the kingdom does not come by outward observation and this is a a big hurdle and a big problem for people who are inquiring after spiritual things. You say God's kingdom is here, but where is it? Show it to me. Yesterday, probably the majority of us attended by uh, the television, by means of television, the funeral, a royal funeral of His Royal Highness, Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. Now there, a kingdom was manifested. You could see it. Of course, it's an earthly kingdom, the United Kingdom, with Her Majesty the Queen as the monarch, the head of state, the crown. There's a military, Her Majesty's armed forces. There's a government, Her Majesty's government. And she doesn't rule in that traditional sense. She's a constitutional monarch, but she still is queen. And yesterday we could see all the outward visible signs and manifestations and indications of that royalty, of that majesty. And of course, this can be perceived naturally. But the kingdom of God cannot be perceived naturally. As we've just read, unless you are born again, you can't see the kingdom. Meaning that once you are born again and your spiritual eyes are opened 
and your spiritual perception comes alive. You can see it. And it's important to know that it's real just because you can't see it doesn't make it unreal. Jesus compares this to the wind. The wind, you can't see it, you can't hear it so much, uh, perceive it so much in its essence, but you feel its effect. I want to ask you a question today. What do these kind of people that I'm about to mention have in common? People who are broken. People who are big-headed. People who are bigoted. And people who proclaim themselves to be blameless. What do they have in common? They all need to be born again. You need to be born again, whether you are a religious person or a non-religious person. Whether you are an atheist, whether you are moral or immoral, whether you are rich or poor, whether you have high status or low status in society, the white, the black, the young, the old, all have sinned and all need to be born again. But the good news is, is that this born-again experience softens the hard-hearted. That same experience has the power to heal the broken-hearted and to humble the proud-hearted and to remove self-righteousness and self-reliance. In fact, it is the only solution, the only solution to our sinful human nature. So today we're going to learn about this miracle, this miracle of all miracles, by which God supernaturally implants his new life, the born-again experience, the miracle of all miracles, that God will implant new life in you and save you. Technical term for this is regeneration. Let's have a little look at a recent form of regeneration that took place with respect to a building. The Tate Modern, I don't know if you've ever been to the Tate Modern, is a converted building, renovated building. Formerly it was the Bankside Power Station, and uh, it was selected to be the site of a, of a new gallery. And um, they were constrained by certain building regulations. It was a building under preservation, but they were able to retain the original character of the building, but also transform it at the same time. You can see in the picture that it consisted in, in its old form of a long, long turbine hall, 32 meters high, 152 meters long, a boiler house alongside it, and outside a single chimney. But the plans were unveiled, and they received a 12 million pound grant from Hear it, English Partnerships Regeneration Agency. So here we have in our 
modern life an example of a form of regeneration. The huge machinery was stripped from the building and everything was stripped back to its original structure, steel and brick. And then the turbine hall, which you see here on my left, was transformed into this magnificent entrance and display area. Now we can begin to understand the regeneration of the human spirit. But I want to say to you, by, by watching that example, we can understand uh, the beginnings of what it means when God regenerates your spirit. There are renovation, regeneration programs in lots of different ways, social regeneration, lots of... This word is well used today. By the way, those of you who are in France will know that uh, the Musée d'Orsay in Paris was also a regenerated building. It used to be not a power station as the Tate Gallery. It used to be a, a railway station. But I want you to know this. When Jesus announced his kingdom and said the kingdom of God is here, people would have been as delighted as they were shocked because they understood that the kingdom of God would bring the regeneration, the remaking, the renewal of all things. They knew that this belonged to the future messianic kingdom when Messiah would come and regenerate everything. And so the question is, if the kingdom has come, where's the regeneration? And Jesus answers by saying, it begins in you. But make no mistake about it. Those who are born again are brought into that future new creation. Or to put it a better way, that future new creation is brought forward in our lives. Therefore, Paul could say, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The announcement of the kingdom when Jesus announced it was saying the new creation has begun. The kingdom of God has come and his rule begins in the hearts of those who are born again and those who repent and believe. The title is, or the subtitle is, The Born Again Experience. I want to use words very wisely here because the born-again experience is an experience, but before you experience it and become conscious of it, it is an event that takes place within you, a work of God, an unconscious event. Jesus says, anybody born of the Spirit is like the wind, you know, it's coming from, going to, it's mysterious. And this is the miracle of all miracles, that God chooses to breathe life into your spirit, to recreate your spirit as an internal event, as something that happens to you that you don't do yourself, something that is transformational deep on the inside, something that is permanent, a work in you in which you receive God's life deep on the inside of you. 
It begins as an unconscious event, but we shall see it soon becomes an experience. And you know that something has happened to you. And people know that something has happened to you. You might not have been aware of the exact moment when that happened to you, but pretty soon you you find that something has changed. The Bible becomes alive to you. You are interested in spiritual truth. A change has taken place in you in which the inclinations of your heart has changed and now you want to move in directions that you would have run away from before, whereas once you were totally unaware of spiritual things, totally unconcerned about spiritual things, but suddenly now you become aware, you become hungry for God. You need to know that this revolution within is totally an act of God. You get involved later because you still have to repent and believe and choose holiness, but you are incapable of it until God causes you to be born again. You can't even see the kingdom of God until you are born again. It's totally an act of God. You play no part in it at all just as you had nothing to do with your first natural birth. So you have nothing to do with your second spiritual birth. Oh yes, it's linked to repentance and faith. But until you are born again, you cannot even see the kingdom, let alone enter the kingdom of God. I want you today to see the significance of this event and this experience, being born again. You're born into the family. You become a child of God. Nothing can ever be the same again. The whole of your Christian life, beginning with repentance and faith, depends on this born-again event. Naturally and logically, we can see that the order is first, he gives us life, then comes faith, and then comes a changed heart, a changed life. First, he changes the heart, and then the life becomes different. Different desires, a whole new identity, defined not by our natural birth, but defined by our spiritual birth. That's why I can look at you and if you are a believer, I may have nothing in common with you, your background, your education, your race, your culture, but we are one in Christ Jesus because God is our Father and we're born again by the Holy Spirit. Now I am presenting this to you as we approach the Sermon on the Mount. Why? Because you cannot understand the Sermon on the Mount unless you're born again. You won't understand it. You will misinterpret it, you will misunderstand it, you will misapply it, and certainly, unless you're born again, there is no way that you can live the way Jesus teaches you and I should live in the Sermon. When we get to the sermon, we discover that Jesus is speaking to disciples, not those outside the kingdom. This is not a way of getting saved or qualifying for heaven. This is why we're dealing, first of all, with being born again. 
That's how you get saved. The rebirth leads to faith and repentance and a changed life. But it all starts when you're born again. Now, if you recall, following those verses in Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus in verse 17 says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We go on to read of the calling of Jesus' first disciples. And then we go on to read a wonderful kingdom manifestation proclamation tour of Jesus across Galilee. And they could see that the kingdom of God while it is invisible, nevertheless is manifested in signs and wonders, deliverance, healing, the proclamation of the gospel. All of these things are manifestations of the kingdom of God and therefore, just like the wind, you can't see it, but you can see the effects of it. So the kingdom of God, you can't see it, but you can see the effects of it. And we know that these effects were not the work of social workers, politicians, psychologists, doctors, psychiatrists. This was the work of God and the manifestation of God's kingdom in power. So we know straight away that while the kingdom is invisible to the natural eye, it is powerful. And they came into the experience of the power of the kingdom. And today you can experience the same thing because the power of the kingdom begins in your heart when you surrender to the power of God and when you are born again by the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. So we need to ask this question today. How can I be born again? Very important. And you may say, look, why are you teaching on this? We're all believers. Now, you might all be believers. I don't know. Maybe there are people out there who wouldn't categorize themselves as believers and you need to be born again. Maybe there are some people who think that they're believers because they're church attenders or because they're watching something online or because occasionally they go and do something religious. But, you know, that's worthless unless you are born again. In a survey we did a number of years ago, about 10% of Kensington Temple London City Church members said they were not born again. I don't know if they didn't understand the question. But we cannot just assume this. Everything depends on it. And if everything depends on us being born again, we've got to check out, are you really born again? What does it mean to be born again? And how can I know that I'm born again, and if I'm not, how can I be born again? Now, those are fair questions, and I'm laying a solid foundation. Because You will be happy that I did, because when we go into the Sermon on the Mount, you will see the life that God's called you to live is a beautiful superstructure, a beautiful building, but must rest on a solid foundation, an unshakable foundation of your experience with God in being born again. So how can I be born again? Well, let me tell you straight away, you can't make it happen. You can't make yourself born again. You cannot give yourself new life. This is the mysterious work of God deep in your spirit 
John 3 verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, this is not a vote of no confidence in those who predicted the weather, either in Jesus' day or in our day. We have modern science to hand for our meteorology to uh, and making weather predictions. But I know enough, having been born in Africa, brought up in Australia, that there are some very canny people who are locals in any situation who can tell you what the weather's going to be. They say, oh, uh, the, the, uh, the wind is coming. There's a storm brewing. And they observe nature. They look at the birds and they observe things. I mean, even today we say red sky at night, shepherd's delight, red sky in the morning, shepherd's warning. That's kind of roughly true. But it's not, it's not against meteorology here and making predictions of weather. He's saying, actually, you don't see the wind. You really don't know how all this operates, where it's coming from, where it's going to. Certainly, the casual observer does not. The wind blows where it wishes to blow. You can't control it. And in the same way, being born again is outside of human control. We are totally dependent on God to give it to us, to send his life to us. We were dead in sins before this. We can't respond. We can't lift a finger in the direction of God until God speaks life into your spirit. We see so many passages. Later on in John 3, Jesus explains that sinners love darkness rather than the light. They do not come to the light because their deeds are evil, yet some people do. Why? The miracle of the rebirth. John 6, only the Father can draw sinners to Christ. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. We can't come to Christ in our own strength. We don't have the spiritual perception. We don't have the spiritual desire. We don't have the spiritual capacity. But when you are born again, something changes on the inside of you. And suddenly you begin to think things that you're not used not to think. You begin to read stuff and get hungry for spiritual truth. Every bit of this is being born again. Now you can't make it happen, but you certainly can ask God for it. You can seek it. So today, if you're not sure you're born again, Begin to seek God. Ask God for it. Inquire after it. Expose yourself to the Word, to preaching, personal reflection. You can't make it happen, but you can examine your heart. Are you disinterested? I'm not interested in this at all. Well, stop. Why? Why? I said to my friend training to be a lawyer, the possibility exists of which you're unsure one way or the other, but the possibility exists that God is real, that Christ is the Son of God, and that He died for your sins and was raised again from the dead. Should you not even, should you not make it a priority at least to investigate this? Oh no, I'm not interested. That shows you how much you need to be born again. Now, you might say, well, yeah, I'm actually very against this kind of thing. And there are people today, 
Certain commentators on the BBC yesterday couldn't even present and talk about Prince Philip without putting their atheism and agnosticism and announcing that the, the, the age of faith has disappeared. What planet is he on? 85% of people in Great Britain, 85% of people in the world have some kind of faith in some kind of a God. That's your cynicism. That's your hostility. Ask yourself, why are you so hostile? Have you investigated? What's going on in your heart that you'd either be disinterested or hostile? Something is happening there and you need to find out what's going on. Could, could just be this is your sinful nature manifesting, your bias against God manifesting. But when God causes you to be born again, the bias turns away from against God to God, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You have a change of orientation. A change happens on the inside. It doesn't make you perfect. You still have to repent and believe and walk in holiness, but suddenly there's a new capacity on the inside of you. And you might say, well, yes, I'm like that. I want to know more. I'm desirous of it. Well, keep seeking. Keep seeking. Because if you want this, you're going in the right direction. Understand it is linked to repentance and faith. I'm going to touch on that today. The next time, go into more detail. But listen, this is about fundamentally something happening within you and then becoming an experience in which you yourself begin to see what you didn't see before and believe what you didn't believe before. Reading on in John's Gospel, chapter 3. If you'd like to turn back there. You will see in verse 14, well, let's, let's look at verse 13. No one has ascended to heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Jesus came from heaven. And now Jesus chooses an Old Testament story to illustrate what he's talking about. Verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Now, go back to that story, Numbers 21. The people of God recently delivered from Egypt, wandering in the wilderness where they were, where there was no food and very often no water. God supplied their every need, but they began to grumble and complain against the Lord and Moses saying, why have you brought us into this wilderness to die where there's no food, no water, and quite frankly, we are sick of this worthless food. What talking about? God's provision of manna. We loathe this worthless food. God was angry and sent fiery serpents, poisonous snakes. And when people were bitten by the snake, they very quickly died. It was a lethal dose of serpent venom. And the truth is, listen to me, Every one of us has been born with a lethal dose of a certain kind of venom called sin. And it is 
leads to corruption, death, and eternal separation from God. And so Jesus draws that parallel. Now, what, how does the story go? People were dying and they came to Moses saying, do something, pray to the Lord, help us because we're dying now. We're being bitten by these snakes. They're everywhere. We're dying. And so Moses prayed to the Lord and God said, make a bronze serpent, lift it up on a pole and walk throughout the camp. And anybody who has been bitten by this poisonous snake and is dying, all they have to do is look at the bronze snake and they will live. That's not much to ask, is it? Just one look to Christ delivers you. As Charles Wesley put it, stung by the scorpion's sin. Just one look at Christ is enough to save you. Hallelujah. This is amazing. So somebody who wants to be born again, <coughs> my advice to you is to seek God. My advice to you is to look upon your need of Christ. The flesh is of no value. You can be moral, immoral. The flesh is polymorphous. It takes many shapes. You can be a religious moralist. You can be an atheistic moralist. You could be a religious bigot. You could be a religious sinner. You can be immoral. You can be moral. You can be educated, uneducated. But if it's flesh, it is flesh. God says, no, the answer does not come from what you can do or how you can improve yourself. The answer comes from above. You must be born again. And there is a desperate need of this. The flesh is of no value. But when God touches your heart and you suddenly perceive the kingdom, you can look to Christ and enter the kingdom. Now, let's go back to the Tate Gallery. I want to show you from the Tate Gallery picture. This is a picture from the outside. Before and after the renovation. What do you notice? Yeah, you can see some changes, but it looks very much the same. This is why the regeneration that God gives is greater than any other form of regeneration. It's not about a repair of the old building or restoration, renovating, remodeling, redeveloping, reshaping the old building. You see, in this natural regeneration of a building, the old structure remains. But no, when you become born again, God doesn't renovate your life. He recreates it altogether. It's a revolution within. First, he remakes you within, and then outward transformation begins. And... This is the beginning of the radical transformation. In your natural state, before you're awakened by the Spirit, you are blind, unaware, insensitive of the Holy Spirit. In fact, another word for this is dead, dead in trespasses and in sins. But when you are born again, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, 
You receive a new heart, a new spirit. The old stony heart is removed, a new spirit is within you and he takes out of you, out of your flesh, that old stony heart and places within you a new soft, sensitive heart that is able to receive the things of the Holy Spirit, able to respond to God and desires to go God's way. This new nature, new identity, new passion, a whole new capacity is all down to this radical regeneration within. So the rebirth gives you a completely new start. God's life into your soul, regeneration of your spirit. He gives you a new nature, but the thing is, is that what's a double miracle doesn't just give you a new nature, but he renews you so that the you before and the you afterwards is the same you, but renewed. It is the new self, which is your true self. God does not do away with you, your personality. He changes you from within and renews you. So you become the you that he had in mind when he made you in the beginning. In fact, you will never be who you are until you're born again. Amen and amen. So here's the promise of being born again. Once you were born again, there's no brokenness in you that cannot be healed. No damage that cannot be restored. No habit that cannot be broken. No sin that cannot be overcome. No inclination that cannot be mastered. No suffering or adversity that you cannot endure because you are born again and God's life is in you. Are you born again? That's my question to you. If you're not sure, you need to talk to somebody who will help you with this. If you want to be born again, I don't know how and you're confused about this. Don't worry, God is speaking to your heart. And just as Jesus said, the Father is drawing you. We can't make this happen. You can't make it happen. Only God can make it happen. And He is willing. 